What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Duncan Holder podcast here with you, Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan, of course, uh, of the Athletic New Orleans, and we are doing this pod after, right after, we're still in the Superdome after the Saints' dramatic 30-28 to win over the Texans, and Jeff, just your garden variety Saints game, uh, high-flying offenses, defenses sometimes letting up too much, Saints win in dramatic fashion officiating mishaps, at least the last time we were in this building covering a regular season game, uh, the Saints fell victim to an officiating blunder and it cost them the game. This time they were able to overcome it and pick up a win. And I think even just in that sense, Jeff, uh, being able to kind of shake a little bit of that ghost and get some good fortune uh, in the first game of the year, I'm sure they're probably feeling feeling pretty, pretty good about themselves at this point. Well, there's no lacking dramatics with these New Orleans Saints. Uh, you know, it really has been a remarkable run. I'm not sure uh, Saints fans are going to be able to take many more of these games. If we go all the way back to the Minneapolis Miracle, uh, I've never seen a stretch with as many dramatic finishes as we've had. And uh, that's in part because the Saints offense is so good in the clutch. We saw it again today, bailing out the defense after just a horrific two-minute drill where the, they allow the Texans to go 75 yards in two plays. We've seen this now happen numerous times. They've got to get it fixed because they can't continue to live this way, uh, relying on the heroics of Drew Brees. Today, he was spectacular. 37 seconds left, one time out. He's still marching down to get a field goal. And I think there was an overwhelming sense of relief in this building uh, because the Saints, it would have been a devastating loss for them if they would have lost that game after seemingly having in control. And knowing what we got left uh, with road games in L.A. and Seattle and then a home game against the Cowboys, three teams that are all unbeaten, all were in the playoffs a year ago. They just could not afford to lose this game, and they managed to pull it out. And, of course, the combination of losing in dramatic fashion to where, okay, the Saints defense would have given up a touchdown in 15 seconds, 16 seconds, something crazy. 13. 13 seconds. Uh, after uh, you know kicking a field goal to go up six, and they were and you throw in the uh, extra point that was missed, and potentially uh, a, a a botched call, possibly with the kicker, maybe knowing he missed and going, oh my arm, like Rodney Dangerfield falling over and getting a, a penalty induced, and then they kicked the field goal, and then you would have thrown in what happened with the first half, the way that half ended, where I can tell you that the NFL admitted that they screwed this thing up. Uh, head of officiating, Al Riveron, I caught up with him after the game, and he said that, that uh, they basically cost the Saints 15 seconds of time, uh, where instead of the runoff being from 16, uh, 26 seconds to 16 seconds, it should have been from 41 seconds to 31. And if the Saints have a couple of plays... They can get closer. Will Lutz actually kicks the field goal. And so instead of going up six late in the game, they could have went up nine. And so that would have been that would have been huge. So, uh, of course, New Orleanians are all antsy about officiating. Rightfully so. They have certainly have a right to be antsy about officiating. So you throw in all of that, but the Saints managed to win the game. So that 
eventually would just be a blip on the radar. Uh, the fact that they won this game first time in 2000, 2013, they won a season opener. I think that's just more uh, relief than anything else. Well, thank heaven they won because if they did not win, considering what happened at the end of the first half, that would have been all we'd all be talking about, rightfully so. Another botched officiating miscue admitted by the NFL uh, on something that seems like a basic uh, protocol of officiating. And you talked to Al Riveron. I think we should explain real quick what happened. The mistake, they actually enforced the call correctly in that the 10-second runoff was properly enforced. The problem was they have to go back and start the play from where the play ended and then count the 10 seconds off. They didn't do that. They waited, uh, I guess they squandered 15 seconds off. It should have been 31 seconds, as you said. How that happens, Drew Brees afterward, I haven't heard him that, uh, you know, outspoken on something. He said that cannot happen. That's a game changer. And he's right. That could have changed the outcome of this game. After everything that happened a year ago, it's a huge black eye for the NFL, and I'm sure a huge relief for them in Park Avenue that this thing did not come down to that in the end. Well, I think just because I spoke to Al Riveron, and he, I'm spoke, speaking to him as opposed to speaking to the official on the field because it was a replay call. So he's involved in that call. So that's why I spoke with him as, as opposed to the, the official for this game, the referee. So uh, he came out and admitted it immediately. I mean, you could... The question and answer is all over Twitter and everywhere now. But I just said, explain the situation. And they came out flat out, said, oh, we're wrong. We shouldn't have done this. And so thankfully, though, that it did not come down to that. But if Will Lutz doesn't become D's Lutz, clutch Lutz, if he doesn't if he misses his 58 yard field goal, we're talking about that. We're talking about the 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 kicker doing his uh, best acting job and it becomes this massive storyline. So at least that's out the way. But I'm going to pat myself on the back here real quick again. Because that's Go what I right do. Of course. No, I, I made sure to catch up with Drew Brees and Michael Thomas in the locker room as they were getting dressed before they did any of their media. And I made sure to tell them, hey, we made sure to go question the NFL about it. I told them the result before it was public. And so... Uh, they were appreciative, but of course, Drew was saying to me, oh, so what What was going to happen uh, if we lose this game? We get another letter of apology, this, that, and the other. So they would have been rightfully ticked. And thankfully for the Saints and the Hudats and everyone, the Saints won this game. And like I said, this will just be one of those little blips on the radar. Instead, you'll think, all right. They beat the Texans and started 1-0 in this important stretch. Yeah, it's now a footnote when it would have been the dominant storyline. And uh, I'm sure the NFL is very happy uh, that the Saints ended up winning this game. They'd never admit that publicly, but they did not want to deal with another uh, crisis, which is what this would have been, another PR crisis for the league. Uh, look, there were a lot of positives, I thought, from the Saints. Uh, six sacks. Uh, Alvin Kamara looking like the best running back in the NFL. I mean, he had some incredible runs in, down the stretch. Uh, Drew Brees, you look at his numbers. I mean, there was a period of time where I was like, boy, he looks a little rusty. He ends up with 370 yards, 32 of 43. Mike Thomas, a huge game again. Uh, it's the same as it ever was for the Saints offense. The defense, I thought, kind of played in fits and spurts. They made some big plays, and then they had some glaring mistakes. That's kind of like what we saw a year ago. Uh, but I think just escaping with the win, somehow manufacturing that win, 
Larry, you and I have been out to practice a million times where we've seen the Saints go through these situations at the end of a game where Sean Payton puts them through a very similar situation. It might not be 37 seconds one time out, but it's something very similar, and they practice it over and over all the time, and it paid off for them today. I can't tell you how many times I've seen in a Saints practice when they're doing those situations where it's catch the ball, pat the ground, to yes. say, I'm down. We've seen that time and time again. Situational football, they practice that all the time. And it came through to perfection. And so you got to give Drew Brees a ton of credit because, uh, look, he's out there making it happen. 37 seconds left. Uh, and at the end, you're wondering, oh, my gosh, are they going to let too much time off? Sean Payton was eerily close to burning that timeout because he didn't know how the offense was situated out there as they were trying to get onto the ball. And everything in that aspect worked. And, of course, when Will Lutz can make the kick, look, he missed a 56-yarder at the end of the first half. But, I mean, he drilled this 58-yarder. It could have been good from at least another seven, eight yards easy. I mean, he nailed it, ice in his veins. And uh, you need all that. I mean, you need all that to get these wins sometimes in this crazy league. And uh, the Saints on this time around, good side for them. 1-0, they lead the division. Tough. Uh, that's a tough one to lose for Houston, obviously, the way uh, that thing transpired. But you're right, Larry. I mean, we were, I was watching through my binoculars from this uh, crow's nest that we're in here at the Superdome. And Will Lutz, I mean, he kicked it, and he turned immediately to Thomas Morstead and started celebrating. I mean, that ball couldn't have been more than 20 or 30 yards off his foot, and he knew he drilled it. And, uh, yeah, melee, dog pile, and um, – I mean, what a what a clutch play, what a clutch sequence, and again, it goes it harkens back to the decision to go get Will Lutz. Uh, we all were kind of scratching our head when they signed him. He was kind of sight unseen after one tryout, and he's turned out to be one of the best kickers the Saints have ever had. And that, by the way, another little factoid is, if you will, is the third longest kick in Saints history trailing only the great Tom Dempsey's iconic kick against the Lions in 1970. And then Morton Anderson made a 60-yarder in 1991 against the Bears. So not only was it the longest game-winning kick, the longest kick ever by Will Lutz in his entire career, third longest kick of any kind in the Saints history. And, boy, they needed it uh, because I I think even people thought, uh, and I put it on Twitter, uh uh-oh, 50 seconds, like that – was going to be potentially too much time because we've seen the Saints two-minute defense be very leaky at times. And I'm sure Sean Payton and Dennis Allen are wondering what the heck's going on here, uh, that something needs to give in that or they're going to be bitten. I mean, we've seen them in the past be bitten by it or, or almost be bitten by it. We saw twice the almost and the actual being bitten by it last year in the postseason. So you can't have that. Uh, and so – it's week one. You don't want to overreact, but I think Saints fans have seen that too often, and it gets you nervous. Man, that 50 seconds was too much time, and it actually, hey, what, 13 seconds would have been too much time? Because it's unbelievable how quickly they got down the field uh, to take the lead uh, for the Texans. Yeah, Sean Payton even kind of wryly afterwards uh, was being sarcastic, but he said the only positive from it was that the Saints allowed them to score so quickly it gave Drew Brees – and the offense enough time to go down and win the game. Uh, but this is now a pattern we've seen going back to the Minneapolis miracle. Uh, and these are just off the top of my head, Larry, but the Browns game last year in week two, 
They gave up a series. I think they gave up a huge long touchdown pass right at the end of the game. Uh, they also allowed the Ravens at the end of the first half to score a touchdown in the two-minute drill defense. And also at the end of the game and got bailed out when Justin Tucker missed the extra point. They allowed the same thing to the Eagles. If Alshon Jeffrey doesn't let the ball go through his hands, they're going to allow them to drive down. Who knows? They might have won that game. And then after the NOLA no call, they still allowed the Rams to drive down and kick a field goal and tie the game. So they have got to get better on that aspect of the game. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. It doesn't seem like it's one thing. It seems like it's a lot of things. But for whatever reason, they cannot hold a lead in the last two minutes, and it's going to come back to haunt them at some point. Yeah, and you wonder if what's the combination of things. Are they getting enough pass rush? I mean, because you look at the stats tonight, you think, man, the Saints were really good at the pass rush. Sacked Deshaun Watson six times. Uh, it, Trey Hendrickson actually makes us look smart. We've been touting him all offseason, and he comes up with two sacks. He looks like the guy we've been touting. Uh, Marcus Williams comes and makes a big interception to help propel uh, the Saints back into this thing. But too many times you see DeAndre Hopkins running open in space and you're wondering, how the heck does this happen? And then uh, you see Kenny Stills beating, was it P.J. Williams? Beats P.J. Williams to catch that touchdown. You're wondering, how on planet Earth does that happen? And uh, you also got to remember, say, uh, in that final touchdown by Kenny Stills, Marcus Williams had gotten hurt. And I'm not sure if he was even in the game. I don't know, but I, know I don't Sean know off Payton. the top of my head. I know Sean Payton said we're supposed to have safety help, and that cannot happen. It, so clearly, yeah. it was a safety mistake. Yeah, I'm thinking Chauncey Gardner Johnson. He was he replaced Marcus Williams, and if there's a safety mishap, I mean that's yeah. It looked like you should have help somewhere sure. back there. Yeah, in that so, situation, right? In especially. that situation, absolutely. It, that cannot happen. Yeah, because the touchdown is would beat you, not a field goal. So obviously, get it done. But yeah, t- definitely. A breakdown there. Also, uh, defensively, since we're touching on that, I think the Texans were able to run the ball super effectively. I think that, though, that was a lot of that was a byproduct of you're down three defensive tackles. I mean, Shy yes. Tuttle started tonight. Amazing. Yeah, the fact that he's starting, but you had Sheldon Rankins hurt, David Onyemata, who was suspended for this game. He'll be back next week. We know that for sure. Mario Edwards missed this game. Uh, so if we know that the Saints are at least going to get one of those guys back, so that will help. But we didn't expect the Texans to be able to come in and run the ball as effectively as they did. No, and you know that's something they weren't really known for last year at all. I mean, that was a point of emphasis for them in the offseason. Uh, they went out and got Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde. Both those guys ran the ball very well today. You have Deshaun Watson able to move around, um, and they've got to get that fixed. 180 rushing yards, and I think more than that, 7.8 yards a carry. Uh, the Saints themselves averaged seven yards a carry, and most of that was after contact on some of these spectacular runs by Kamara that I still don't even know how he did it because that's a good tackling team he was doing it against. Uh, but these were two kind of mirror image teams out there, I thought. I mean, very close, I think, in the talent level. I thought Bill, Bron- uh, Bill O'Brien had a good game plan. He kind of mixed things up. I thought both teams, you could see why both teams were playoff teams a year ago. Yeah, and then moving over to the offensive side of the ball, Drew Brees after the interception, which we know that was a poor pass. And <sighs> people on Twitter took me seriously when I said, oh, time to question Drew Brees' arm strength, considering the ball went like five yards. Some people, let's take a joke. Come on, we can take a joke sometimes. Sarcasm does not come through in not, not sometimes, no. And people, of course, were cursing at me, you know, but still. After that, Drew Brees 
certainly played like the surgical Drew Brees we're used to seeing. 370 yards, 32 of 43, uh, two touchdowns, only sacked once. Uh, also, you might as well say, look, Ryan Ramchek, he did get called for holding once on J.J. Watt, but boy, they did a really good job protecting him against one of the best defensive players to ever play in the NFL. And it seemed like when Drew needed to get something done, like the touchdown pass to Traquan Smith, I mean, he created that by moving in the pocket, made that happen. And then it's like, oh, wow. All right. The Saints, uh, maybe they're not going to blow this game, but, uh, but yeah, certainly I think offensively there were some positives there as well. And then you look at receiving 200 yard receivers, Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas, 10 catches, 123 yards, then Ted Ginn, seven receptions, 101 yard. It's funny, people like to ignore Ted Ginn in talking about pass catchers. They missed him a lot last year. And look at this, week one, seven catches, seven targets, over 100 yards. That's someone they absolutely use in this offense. And none bigger than that 41-yarder at the end of the game. It reminded me of the Rams game a year ago where he comes up with a big play in the clutch. And... Onions from Drew Brees, third and two, you you have the gumption to throw that ball uh, and complete a 41-yarder, which led them down to the field goal that gave them the six-point lead. And you're right, Larry, I'm I'm guilty of that. I forget about Ted Ginn Jr. I don't think of him as like a a playmaker at this point of his career, and I'm clearly uh, not giving him his due respect. That was a huge game he played. It seemed like he made a couple big plays each drive in the second half and had a big one there at the end of the game in that game-winning drive. And I just feel like the Saints played about their C game and still got out of here with a win. They've got a lot of corrections to make, uh, but it's better than the past five years where they lost the opener, especially given what they got coming up. Drew Brees called it a gauntlet. They're getting ready to go on the road. You're going to L.A. I'll be in Seattle. And uh, the Saints are going to play a lot better if they're going to try and win those games on the road. Absolutely. And – you, you, we all knew this going into the season that these first four games were going to be pretty critical. And uh, it's not like the Saints can't overcome a slow start because we've seen it now two years in a row. But I think really notching this win gives them a little more leeway on, on the stretch. Okay, say no you stumble against the Rams or, uh, like, I, I don't think uh, uh, anyone watching the Cowboys play on Sunday uh, couldn't have walked away unimpressed because they played very well. I know they're the Giants, but still, they put it to the Giants. And, uh, you know, it seemed like there was some upheaval with that team throughout all the offseason, and yet they came out firing on all cylinders. The Rams, they beat Carolina. Uh, Seattle wins. And so, like you said, all those teams are undefeated at this point, and you knew what you were getting into. So I think the Saints are gearing up for that, and uh, they – Nothing's a must win. That term is, could, could be thrown around so often uh, in this day and age. But still, it's a good win for the Saints to get off to a 1-0 start, considering this four-game stretch. Well, listen to some of these some some of the things that stick out to me. One, Saints had no three and outs in the whole game. They had 10 series without a three and out. That's amazing. They only punted twice. Now, they had the interception earlier you talked about. They missed a field goal. But otherwise, you know, almost scoring in the second half on every drive except one. Uh, that's all impressive. Here's another impressive stat. One, two, three, four, five, six plays of 28 yards or more. Six explosive plays. A couple 41-yarders, a 31-yarder, a 30-yarder. That, that's some big-time plays 
against a good defense, and it took them a while to get this going. So they really got to go in the second half. Credit to the coaching staff for some adjustments, clearly finding what worked and kind of getting the, the, the big play machine going. And Latavius Murray with a 30-yard touchdown run, which I didn't see that coming. No. And that was a nice play, nice run by him. And the fact that they woke up, I think, is a huge thing because I guarantee you many people were thinking, week one blues, here they are. It's funny, last year they scored 40 and we forget about it, but that's just because they gave up 48. But still, you're like, man, it seemed like they were more out of it than they were, I think. Yes. Uh, and so the fact that they came, and to me, my my turning point in the game was the Murray touchdown because they came out kind of a bummer first half, and then they came back out first drive, touchdown, and it really kind of got things going. You throw in the Marcus Williams interception, and I know they scored, but still, it's uh, something that the Saints – it just didn't have that feel like, oh, man, they're going to definitely come back and win this game. I didn't – usually I have that sense because I feel like, oh, the Saints offense is explosive. I just didn't feel like I had that sense tonight and they were able to get it done regardless. Well, I thought it was interesting. Afterwards, Sean Payton, he said – he even admitted that he was a little rusty in his play calling. He felt like he really couldn't get a rhythm going as a play caller in the first half, and it felt that way. It really didn't seem to – have their footing or any uh, any of the type of balance that they're used to having. And you have to credit the Texans a little bit for that. I think they, they did a good job, I think, of uh, game planning against the Saints. And as we've seen time after time, this staff, this offensive staff, they just keep dialing up. They finally figure out what works, and they're almost impossible to stop once they do that. And I thought Sean Payton in the second half called about as well a, a good a game as you could call, uh, especially on that last – two-minute drive when that's usually Drew Brees making all those calls out on the field in that two-minute offense. Uh, they couldn't have executed that any better uh, given the circumstances they had. 37 seconds, one timeout, you've got to go all the way down the field to get into field goal range. And um, you're right. I think Peyton almost burned that timeout. He was ready to call it. He didn't, and thank goodness he didn't because it allowed them to go over the middle of the field. Well, let me ask you this because we kind of debated this in the press box as the game was going on. Uh, when it's fourth down and you and Lutz is coming out to kick the field goal to go up six, I said, hey, go for it because if you get it, that's the dagger. And they didn't go for it, and uh, you go up six, and then you see what happens. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, blah, blah, blah. But I wonder how often – if. If it was a little closer, maybe third and two or fourth and two, maybe they do go for it. But I got, I think the, the the distance was a little too much, so they decided to play it safe on that. But I'm wondering the next time uh, the Saints get into that situation, seeing how the, the defense has performed uh, in, say, the two-minute defense, maybe he might change his mind next time. I don't know, but it's uh, – as soon as that happened and they kicked the field goal, I put on Twitter, I was like, there's 50 seconds. Saints fans, get your nerves ready because we've seen it happen. And so I'm wondering if that changes his approach at some point, uh, if he gets in a situation again. I think given how shaky they've been and stopping people, he might. Uh, you know, we, we know Sean Payton. I mean, he he's not the most patient guy in the world. And, you know, he turned to Dennis Allen when they gave up that game, well, that seemingly game-winning touchdown to uh, Kenny Stills, he gave him that glare. He he was not happy. The Rob Ryan glare. Yeah, it was it was pretty clear. 
And I think what he was upset about was they were in a pressure there. They were in a blitz. And if you're going to blitz there, you better get home. And I'm not sure blitzing in that situation is the best idea given if you're out there with backups in certain positions because you could get exposed. Whoever was the safety that got exposed on that um, clearly cannot allow someone to get behind them in that situation knowing that they have to give a touchdown. Field goal doesn't do them any good. Last thing you can do is let somebody get behind you like that. So I'm sure that's something they're going to see on film tomorrow, the entire defense. Uh, and afterward, you can kind of tell the defensive players in the locker room understood they got bailed out. And they would have been the storyline, not Will Lutz. Well, they might have been the storyline. The officiating might have been the storyline too. Yeah. And look, we got to touch on this again just because it's something that in this day and age, and you've got all these replays, and how do you how do you screw something up? It, it's it, it's got to be mind boggling. I don't know for Saints fans, it's got to be frustrating to see something like this happen. Because as I spoke of early on in the pod, this could have cost the Saints the game. I mean, it really could have. Now, if the Saints win by ten, it's again just a little blip in the radar. It would have been way more huge if the Saints lost this game. But still, you think about all the the points, and they win by two. Uh, if Lutz hits the field goal at the end of the half, and then he hits the one uh, with 50 seconds left, they're up nine instead of six. All of that matters, and we've seen it in our face. So it's it's got to be frustrating for Saints fans and the Saints organization. I mean, like just me talking to, like I said, Drew and Michael Thomas, and just some. Uh, you know, some of the staff members, and I'm just relaying my conversation, my quick conversation with Al Riveron, and they're just mind-boggled. And I, I totally get it. I totally get it. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but so as I understand it, Al Riveron, the replay official in New York, is supposed to have told, is it Jeff Hussey or John Hussey, the, the official at the top there? Let's see. It's John Hussey, the referee, on the field. He's supposed to have told him what the time was on the clock. So right. it's actually Al Riveron's fault. Right. Not the official that you saw on TV, not the official at the game. It's New York. They were the ones that messed up. They didn't tell him the proper time on the clock. So that's where the mistake was made, and that's why Al Riveron, credit to him, he fell on the sword, but that cannot happen. I mean, the sword had to be fallen on because it was wrong. Right. I mean, what, right. what do you do? But uh, And I don't think I would have been able to ask him he, about the roughing the kicker. That's a judgment call. Because I was Correct. thinking that when I was going to talk to him. But it ultimately, when I'm talking to him, like, well, at least it's not the story. But still, in this town, people want answers. And when it's an obvious screw-up, you better be accountable. Because just, let's just think last time. When did Al Riveron ever speak publicly about this? I mean, last time it wasn't... Uh, the reporter asking Al Riveron. It was a it was a reporter after the game asking the official from the game. This is the head of officiating. So it, I I'm talking to a different person, and he's the one who's got to stand up and, and make these answers. But the NFL last year, they never came out and publicly said this. We had to get Sean Payton says Al Riveron told me this, and Roger Goodell didn't come out and say anything, and they did. So maybe they learned by their mistake. Maybe. I think they clearly did. <laughs> I think that's why we saw the way this transpired tonight. And the league clearly wanted to avoid another PR crisis. And they were ready for us to reach out to them and to clarify. They know they've got to do a better job of that. I, I think, at least I've been told by the NFL, 
the reason they didn't make a public statement last year is because they felt like Sean Payton kind of made it for them that when they called Sean Payton and he went to the press conference, they didn't know he was going to go to the press conference and say that they didn't know that. So they might have released something if Sean Payton didn't say that. They probably should have done it anyway. But the point is, that's at least the, their story from New York is why they didn't say anything. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with them, but that's that will never happen again. They will always come out like they did tonight to try and nip it in the bud before it mushrooms into a full-blown PR crisis. Hey, at least it wasn't a Bosch pass interference call tonight. Hey, uh, I'm waiting for that to happen somewhere right. along the line with this team. At least it didn't happen, uh, and they were able to win the game on their own. I mean, they won the game despite these things, and so that's something you you certainly have to give them credit for. Uh, I mean, we know they're a good team, resilient, but the fact that they overcame all of that and the botched defense, you got to give them credit. Have to. That that's a that's that's a game that the 2015 Saints they don't win. No 16 way. Saints they don't win. This team, we've seen it for years. I mean, they're they're wired different. Yeah, and look, I, I think uh, it's a huge sense of relief, uh, but I think it's also an eye-opener for everyone that, you know, this team's got a lot of work to do. Uh, that's a team, uh, Houston team, it's a good Texans team, uh, but I don't think anybody thinks they're a Super Bowl champion. And they're on you're on your home field in this environment, and you barely eke out a win. I mean, I know it's good that they won, uh, but there were so many mistakes on both sides of the ball. They've got to get better, especially defensively. Uh, coming up on this next stretch here against these teams, all with good defenses. Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how this team uh, takes takes it from here uh, after being buoyed by that last uh, minute uplifting victory. Because I, I think uh, the challenge, in my opinion, Larry, the first four games is to try and come out two and two. Uh, and winning this game today gives them a great chance to do it, I think. Yeah, and it's, we saw some sloppy football across the league in week one in, in a lot of these games. So you expect some sloppiness, but it did, it's not going to take the Saints three games to win game one or happen to totally bungle into a win against Cleveland in week two, a game where yep. they could have easily lost. Look, they won this game. So you move forward and the momentum and the mindset is probably a little bit different. So, and look, this game is going to be tough. And I know we're going to talk about this in our podcast later this week. Uh, also, we're having, not talking LSU. We're not talking Tulane. Obviously, LSU, huge win. Tulane, valiant effort. But we'll, we'll touch on more of that in our podcast later on down the line. But the fact that week one, they get the win, it's a different story going forward than the last couple of years when they're having to dig out of a hole and get some momentum. Maybe this can propel them. Maybe they go three and one right. in this first four game stretch because they're like, all right, well, we got away with one, but we know we can fix some things and, and tweak some things. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, we, you can do that week to week in the NFL. You just got to win, right? I mean, the Saints are the only team in the NFC South with a win right now, and that's huge. They've already got a leg up on the rest of the division. Uh, I frankly don't think anyone else in the division looked good at all uh, yesterday. Uh, the Saints, for all their faults today, clearly look like the class of the division. And just getting a, a a win and going into these next three games against NFC opponents, teams that you might face in the playoffs down the road. I know it's early, it's week one, but every one of these games counts in the end when it gets down to playoff seeding and things like that. So these games are paramount coming up. Absolutely. So, all right, we're going to call it a day here on the Duncan Holder podcast. Of course, you can – 
listen to this podcast free on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, the Athletics Podcast Network. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. You can do all that uh, through Apple, Spotify, all those goodies. Uh, Our next podcast will be later in the week, of course. That is behind the Athletics paywall. So uh, as this is, what, week three of the pod we're doing it. So we're just getting used to the jargon and the the scheduling and things like that. But uh, in some... Saints win, and I think ultimately, even though Saints fans are going to lose their minds still on, on some of the things that happened tonight, whether it's defense, offense shaky a little bit, refereeing being borderline disastrous again, they win, and so Saints are 1-0. So for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us here on the Dunk and Holder podcast. We will talk to you guys later on this week. Thanks. Thanks.